In this episode, we'll be talking about wellness and mental health. Mental health impacts every single person on this planet. This is probably one of the most important topics I will discuss on this show. Many millennials are depressed, lonely, and suffer with anxiety. Even those who are not clinically depressed have and will experience hard times. Hashtag end the stigma has been trending on Twitter recently, pushing people to have a conversation about mental health. But this conversation is bigger than Twitter. Mental health is one of the most important discussions, especially in today's climate. So let's get well, y'all. We're in this together. You are now listening to Saucy But Sweet with Allie McPherson, a podcast where nothing is off limits, where we talk about everything from romance, sex, pop culture, and everything in between. Sit back, relax, and enjoy an unfiltered time where we keep it sweet and always saucy. So let's talk about wellness. I know this episode differs from what we talk about regularly on this show, but that's the thing. The point of this show was to start a conversation and bring people on who are insightful and speak the unfiltered truth. I'm grateful to have a platform where I can talk about topics such as mental health. Now, shout out to my therapist, Dr. Phillips, for helping me get through hard times. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have a therapist to vent to. My therapist actually handed me a printout from psychologytoday.com, an article called Why Millennials Are So Lonely. And in the article, it said, in 2018, more than 20,000 Americans age 18 and over showed that most U.S. adults are considered lonely. I personally think social media is a huge factor for why people are so depressed lately. But we'll get more to that later. Now, I do not have all the answers. I wish I did, but I have with me someone who can bring some insight to this conversation. So joining me today is probably one of the most hardworking women I know. I invited her a number of times because this woman right here is brilliant. If you don't know who she is, you're definitely missing out. My girl, Yasmeen Jamila, is in the building. Would you introduce yourself and tell the audience what you do? Sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I am honored. So my name is Yasmeen Jamila, and I am a journalist, as you said. And I am the CEO and founder of Transparent Black Girl. And Transparent Black Girl is, well, my publicist would like me to tell you that it's a wellness collective (laughs) (laughs) committed to shattering the unconventional stigma surrounding what it means to be well for women of color. But what I would like to tell you about Transparent Black Girl is that it has just been such an honor for me to create this space while I was just organically healing myself. None of this was ever a part of my plan. I thought I'd be a lawyer. (laughs) So I I never thought that wellness was something that I was even pursuing. So just to to have such a platform and just to be like an advocate for mental health at at this point, I'm I'm really honored and I'm always down to talk about mental health and wellness. So I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. We're glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I follow your Instagram, Transparent Black Girl, and I'm obsessed. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Yeah, I love the graphics and everything. Um, And like you're coming from a place of love and acceptance. And I'm curious, when did you come up with this idea? Well, again, with it being such an organic experience, wellness for me and this journey was a result of me being in a really dark place. And so when I was in college, I had gained about 100 pounds. I was in a really bad relationship. And I was just experiencing a lot of anxiety and depression. I was on birth control pills, which is a whole other conversation of just the side effects of medication and how they can impact you. And so just being on several medications coupled with the relationship that I was in and just not being in a good place just as an individual, I had... um, 
just not been in a good space with life. And so once I had got out of the relationship, I was just really adamant about healing myself. And I don't know why, because I, I often feel like when people get out of relationships, they actually experience like, you know, bouts of depression, like even even the more. But I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, like I'm a, I've already been sad. So like this whole sad thing, like it ends here. Like I'm not going to be sad anymore. And I was just really adamant about creating a beautiful life for myself that I could be proud of because I had spent so much time, you know, being depressed and experiencing anxiety, having suicidal thoughts, and I just want it better. And so I immediately you know, just sprung into action. I got a therapist. I was going to therapy twice a week. I got a trainer. I uh, started to rid myself of all of the medications that I was on because I was on birth control. I was on medication for asthma. I was on medication for PCOS. I was on medication for acid reflux. And one by one, I got off of every single medication that I was on. And it was just like, before I knew it, I was just a really happy person. And not that happiness is like something that you stay at and that there is this idea that like, all of a sudden you just become, you know, this person and that life is just is just great. That, But that's also one of the things that I've learned in therapy. But that I'm at a point now where the choices I'm making, if I'm happy, it's because I'm doing something to make me happy. And if I'm sad, it's because I've done something to make me sad. Versus being in a situation before where I felt like my emotions were in, in someone else's hands. And so yeah. just to be in this space of just appreciating the fact that the the choices I'm making for good or bad are mine is is just a is a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And I mean I, I love that you mentioned the therapist because it's so important. It is. And my grandmother, every time I tell her, Oh, I'm going to therapy, she's like, You still going to therapy? <laughs> it's like she can't believe that a person can be can see a therapist regularly even when they're not right. sad. Yeah. And what made me go to therapy, I talked about this, well, I probably didn't mention this part, but in love and love is a gamble. Um, I mentioned being really sad after my breakup and it really affected me to like the summer after. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to go to a therapist. Like not because it's not just him. It's not just the breakup. It's just something in me that's just there's sadness in there. And my mom, you know, my mom would see me angry and all this spouts of anger that I would have. And she's like, you should really sit with someone because this stuff is going to pile on. It's only going to get worse. Absolutely. Because you're I'm 24 at 40. What am I going to look like? Yeah. And so when. I, I want to get my grandmother to understand, like, <laughs> me saying I go to therapy is not saying that um, there's something so wrong with me or that, like, it, it's it's not even, like, a, I'm not giving myself a deadline. Right. Like, I'm only going to go until August. Right. You know, it's I, like— I, I'm just to, to a place with therapy, but so many things that you said resonated with me, but I'm to a place with therapy where, for me, it's maintenance. It's, it's not a thing where I'm never going to not go to therapy, and I even look at it as growth. I used to go to therapy two times a week. Now I go once a week mm-hmm. or twice a month, or how, however I feel, you know, is, is best for me. I think that it's much like when you're going to the doctor. If mm-hmm. something is wrong, you're going to the doctor more frequently. You're checking up. Exactly. And if everything is, is fine and you seem to, you know, have a clean bill of health, then you go just routinely just to make sure that everything is okay. And I, and I believe that for many people, specifically millennials, we're getting to a place where therapy is is not taboo and yeah. we're starting to discuss it in a way where it's like the therapy is, is literally a part of, you know, a wellness routine. It's it's just as, you know, as normalized that we're getting to be as normalized as, you know, doing yoga. Exactly. You know, and so it's something that's really important to me, especially in regards to like after a breakup. I, I definitely, you know, even with going to therapy, I experienced so many emotions, especially mm-hmm. coming off of a breakup. 
But I think for me, it was just important to immediately go into things because it was such a long relationship. I was in a five-year relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it had already gotten bad. I had already experienced sadness, anger, all of those things. And so I was just like, you know what? I want to be okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I've given enough time to be sad. And like this whole sad thing, like it's just, it's not happening mm-hmm. anymore. I had experienced even as far as like it was affecting everything down to my behavior, my schoolwork. I was failing all of my classes. It was it was a mess. And so for me, getting back to a place where I started to work on myself, I was just like, yeah, nah, like this whole sad thing is like for the birds. We're not doing this. Yeah. Like we're really mm-hmm. going to get better. And my therapist was really intentional with helping me get there. And we worked through all of my anger, my resentment, my frustration. And I, I really turned a huge corner and I walked into therapy, a, a little girl blaming everyone else for her you know her life choices and the things that happened and I walked out a woman that was holding herself accountable and aware of even the things that I had done in that relationship that that I wasn't proud of and I think that for so many people women specifically just because I, I know so many black women that have had such unfortunately such um toxic relationships with black men that there is this one-sided view of relationships mm-hmm. of blaming them for everything mm-hmm. uh, because of the things that are done um, whatever it takes place abuse you know manipulation mm-hmm. isolation gaslighting all of those things because that's just such a one-sided thing very rarely do we look at our own behavior exactly and so for me it was like okay great so now that we're done being mad at him let's look at the things that you did and not just in that relationship but what things do I want to take away from and what kind of person do I never want to be again to anyone else or myself and we miss that because we're so angry and we're mm-hmm. so frustrated about things. And to an extent, we have every right to be, but there's also a right for you to get you together and, and assess your own behavior. And that took a, a long time. It's so easy. And I say this um, just because I say to my friends all the time when talking about relationships that like someone else can be shitty, but that doesn't absolve you from your like from your shittiness. Exactly. Like it doesn't it doesn't change anything. They might be a little bit more shittier than shittier than you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and I hope I can curse because I'm just free with the way I speak. Girl, <laughs> with please. The way, with the way I speak, please. You know, but but I but I'm really <laughs> passionate about yeah. that. That like you know like him being ain't shit don't ab- absolve you from your ain't shitness. Like you still have just as many flaws. Mm-hmm. It just surfaces in different ways, and I exactly. think that. Because we're so, you know, like for me, I felt like because I wasn't a cheater, I was just perfect. Mm. And so I just had no flaws and there was nothing wrong with me. And I had this very like one-sided perspective of like, well, he just ain't never going to find nothing better, you know, because but that's what we're taught, you know, that, that we're valued and all those things. But therapy really helped me get mm-hmm. those things together and, and figure figure out the things within me that I needed to correct. Yeah, that's what I love about therapy. It, you, it holds you accountable. Absolutely. As well as healing you. And that's part of healing. Um, and I had been through that exact situation and my relationship was only about two years. So I can't imagine more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it re- ugh, it's so good. It's so good. But I'm interested. Um, how has your platform, your platforms so far impacted women or, or men or everyone so far? Well, I definitely feel like it's it's impacted so many people. It really was not, like I said, a part of a part of my plan. I I just started writing after the breakup, um, and from there, people were just saying to me constantly, I love how you're so transparent. I love how you're so transparent. I I kept hearing it everywhere I went, and I just wanted to create a space to honor the transparent women in my life that inspired me and that encouraged me to be myself and to discover my voice. And so I just thought it was going to be like an appreciation page for transparency with black women, period, and it blossomed into this whole thing, which I was just really appreciative 
appreciative of and it was really organic and it was not um something that I was just like well I'm gonna develop a wellness company again I didn't even realize the things that I was doing was that and so I think that it's it's impacted women because it's a space for us to be ourselves and embrace mm-hmm. every single part of ourselves mm-hmm. and I think that um again just in, in regards to like shattering those unconventional stigmas that we often think that wellness is you know especially on on Instagram if you hashtag wellness you're gonna see a whole bunch of white women mm-hmm. you know around plants and leaves and trees and <laughs> shit like you know doing <laughs> yoga poses and that's great but wellness is also healing from trauma wellness is you know being in a healthy relationship wellness is you know going to therapy but it's also prayer and, and um, exploring other aspects of, of spirituality and wholeness. And so I feel like, if anything, the platform has let black women and black men know now, since I've started Transparent Black Guy, mm-hmm. that it's okay to to be every part of who you are. And I believe that wellness, like black people, should be should be that. It should be free to, you know, embrace every single part of who you are. And as black people, we, we are many things, you know, and I, I feel like there needs to be spaces to honor that, especially in the society where we like where we almost are, are proud of our ability to code switch so quickly, mm-hmm. you know, which is you know, sometimes, unfortunately, it's needed, but but to be in spaces where it's okay to be every part of who you are, wellness is is such a it's it's such a need for that in this in this space. So I would say, if anything, it's inspired people to do just that. Yeah, and it's crazy to me that we talk about exercising and going to the gym, and when it comes to our appearances, we are so obsessed with it. Right. But then it's like when you say therapy, right. I mean, not anymore as much, but it's like, what? Why? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. It's like. Well, if you go to the gym, no one says, why are you here? Right. You're fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I remember before, I used to tell my friends, oh, I want to go to the gym. And they were like, why? They were like, why would you want to go to the gym? I was like, because you're thin. And I said, I'm not always going to look this way. I eat like a pig. I mean, and, and just my overall health. Yeah. And need to go to the gym. And now people are going away from that. Now when they hear me say I'm going to the gym, they're like, oh, cool. But and but with therapy, I'm glad that we're getting to that point where now it's kind of closer to like, yeah. oh, you're going to therapy? Cool. I might go too. Absolutely. I, I definitely think that if, if one thing that this experience has taught me and that the impact that I feel like is has been left on my following is that therapy is important and getting to a better space is important. And it's still such a taboo conversation. I, rec- I can recall having with my family last Thanksgiving when I was getting ready for my first mental health event, which was called Healing from Trauma. My family at the table were just talking about all of the traumatic things that happened to them, like laughing. And I was like, well, if anybody want to talk about trauma, like I'm having an event. And the whole room got silent. They were like, are you for real? Wow. And I was like, yeah. Like, y'all coming? Like, or not? <laughs> you know? And it was—and so yeah. for, for me, it's it's such a thing, and I'm, I'm really adamant about it, you know, that healing from trauma is is not only something that's necessary, but that it's something that should be encouraged and normalized so we don't have to pass these things on to our children. And for, for me, my healing is such a priority mm-hmm. that— even as a as a twenty six year old woman, I'm already thinking about my daughter at twenty six and what she'll be like and what what her what her space will be like for herself mentally. Like I want my children to be free and not just in terms of finances, which I think that for so long, just because of our history, you know, we we're so focused on leaving our children money, but we need to leave our children, you know, mental mental mm-hmm. health, you know, wealth and and those aspects as well. So it's mm-hmm. just something that I'm glad is being normalized more, mm-hmm. but I still feel like we have so much much more work to do in in regards to mental health yeah generational help yeah hashtag Absolutely. i made that up <laughs> anyone who wants to use that pay me no um but yeah like but i love celebrities coming out and they're really normalizing it specifically black celebrities like Charlemagne the god yeah he says all the time he does always say black men don't cheat and he has that as his Listen. thing but anyway <laughs> but I, I i 
not here to shade him. I, I love Charlamagne the Gun. I think he's amazing. And he's always saying, I go to therapy. Yeah. But I even liked what the Will Smith had said when he was talking about how he would try to outwork his childhood trauma mm-hmm. and that he was trying to get to such a great place where those things didn't bother him anymore. And so just even in all areas of, mm-hmm. you know, like culture now, people are discussing those things. And so it's it's, it's a really good thing to see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's important. And I love hearing black men come out and say, because I know black men specifically, and just men in general, they don't want to ever seem weak. And it's like, but therapy, that's strength. Yeah. Crying. I think crying is strength, too. Being Absolutely. able to cry. I mean, all the things that we accomplish, we have to be able to take care of ourselves. And that's the important thing of this episode. Like, it's just so important. And my question is, and I, I don't have the answer to it, why... Why do you think it's so hard for people just in general to ask for help and to like, like, where did this all come from? You know what I mean? Well, I think for black people specifically, I think that if that if you look at our history and you look at all of the things that we've had to overcome, that it's almost ingrained in us to like, just keep going, just keep going, you know? So just having having a situation like like that, you know, especially as far as like speaking like of our grandparents, you know? With, with my grandmother with conversations with her about therapy, she would say to me, I remember she said that she went to therapy once and that Mine she too. only <laughs> felt comfortable because her therapist was blind. So he couldn't see her <laughs> while she was telling him all the things that seriously. That so, so, and so for that, for me, just hearing that, it just, it was funny, but it was also sad Yeah, to know that she felt like she really couldn't be that vulnerable versus me. I'm like, mistransparent like every everything you know I, and I've always been this way since I was a little kid it's it's super like I said it's super organic to who to who I am I've always felt like I said too much or did too much mm-hmm. and then it just took me a while to be like no this is who I am and it's okay yeah my it's mom, okay to be vulnerable yeah my mom just told me the other day she's like you too you too open <laughs> <laughs> and she's like because I write personal essays you know what I mean and and I am open. Yeah. I'm very open. And there are people now who <laughs> listen to my podcast. They be telling me things that I didn't even know I told anyone. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, how'd you know that? And they're like, I heard your podcast. Right. Or I, I read this personal essay. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being open. And no, no one, and like Jennifer Lewis said, you know, I'm putting my shit out there. Yeah. Now no one can use it against me. And I'm really, listen, I'm really adamant about that. Like, you will not, like... Listen, I w- I will own every part of my past and all those things before anyone else can. But and not exactly. only and not only that, I just it's just who I am. Like I'm very open. I've the older I've gotten, I've become more selective with who I'm open to, you know, and who I'm open with and who mm-hmm. I let in my my personal space. But in terms of my own journey, I'm I have no problem with, with being open yeah. and just and owning those experiences because I feel like for me that's freedom. Like for me, bondage is is not owning and not sharing and not being open. But again, I think that when you know when we think about our ancestors and we think about everything that they had to overcome they didn't have the opportunity to speak up or you know express themselves mm-hmm. and so just even this idea of like our ancestors' wildest dreams like i think this is our ancestors' wildest dream for us to be able to use our voices and mm-hmm. to be open and to be able to speak you know they they didn't have any options their only you know freedom was you know after slavery was being able to get jobs to be able to pass on you know money and exactly. to be able to own that was the only thing that they could even think about mm-hmm. is being able to support them themselves and, and be their own person but there were still you know so many things that they had to overcome after that and so I think just in that regard that when you are the children you know a grandchildren a great-grandchildren of slave owners that if you're if you're taught this same mentality that there's just a lot of unlearning to do and it doesn't mean that our our families you know aren't aren't wonderful and that we don't love them for the things that they did teach us but I think that with every generation you just have to unlearn a little bit more and yeah. I've just gotten to the place where I just feel like 
I'm going to therapy not just for myself, but for everyone around me. So exactly. I continue to understand what is what is right for me, what's right for them. And understanding also that like you don't have to come home and be like, well, this is what my therapist thinks about you. Like, you know, like you can just you can just be a, a better person and still love on the people in your life and meet them where they are. And that's definitely something that therapy has taught me as well. The first time that I even had an idea of going to therapy, like as an adult, it was something that I was like having a conversation about actually with my ex. And he was like, so here's this place I feel like you should go. And I was like, oh, you trying to say I'm crazy. Like I was very, <laughs> I was very on the fence about therapy. And I was not willing to go at all. And when I first went, like just all of the intake questions that they ask you, it was such an invasive process. And I literally left out of there feeling empty just because of all the things that they ask you and just having to pour out your whole life story. Um, but I but I walked out much stronger and every single session I felt stronger. I felt more empowered. I felt more clear about my future and what mm-hmm. I wanted versus what I didn't want. But I also felt like, okay, well, if I'm going to go through this journey, I have to document it and I have to help other people. And so as a result of that, so many people now come to me asking me questions about therapy. A, a day or two won't go by before someone is calling me asking me, do I know a therapist in their area? Wow. How do they go about the process of therapy? What are things that you say? You know, how do you how do you put together, you know, your list of things that you want to, you know, say to them? Because that's important too, just having the conversation of going in. For example, hi, my name is Allie and I'm dealing with abandonment mm-hmm. issues. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like just making mm-hmm. making whatever it is that you want to work on specifically mm-hmm. clear to the therapist because there are certain therapists that work on certain things mm-hmm. and if you're targeting that or versus I'm going through a crisis in general do you help with that with some therapists you know specializing in crisis management or just a myriad of things like for example with me when I was you know battling with uh, weight loss and just getting to a healthy place I went to someone who you know, helped with eating disorders and like helped with getting to a good place with like managing like self-control. That was Mm -hmm. something that was really important to me. And so down the line, you become more intentional with who it is that you want to work with, you know, almost like with dating. When you first start dating, you just cool with whatever. But Mm -hmm. then when you get to a place where you know what you want versus what you don't want, you get a bit more specific with the different things that you're... And your standards go up. And your standards go up, Mm -hmm. much like therapy. You know, that they should, you know, not that your standards were were ever low with Mm -hmm. therapy, but that you should get a bit more clear about whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. And so I'm just so grateful now that people come to me and ask me questions. And it's just been, it's been a really cool thing. Yeah, it's cool. I remember my first experience with therapy was, oh, oh I was with my ex at the time. I was with my ex. And we were going through something. And he wasn't, he was doing the best he could, but I was like, I need to talk to like a professional. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to the new school for undergrad and I went to the counseling center or whatever and the woman who was helping me, she was she was a white woman. She was good, um, but then my schedule was kind of conflicted with hers, so I ended up having to go to someone else. And I realized it just wasn't as helpful as she was. Right. And then I also, looking back, I was, well, now as I'm going to therapy, I have a black female as my therapist, and I realize that I think that works better for me. Yeah. Because there's certain conversations that I just cannot have with a white person. Absolutely. Um, not that I have anything horrible or offensive to say. But it's different. But it's, it's different, and they're yeah. not going to understand the black female experience. And um, so that's something that I had to look for Abs- when absolutely. I went back. Abs- absolutely. I'm actually in the process of looking for a new therapist, so I'd love to chat with you because I'm looking for a black female therapist. Yeah. That was something that I was just really adamant about. I broke up with my white therapist last year, and I <laughs> felt really empowered. I really did, and she's beautiful. She's super nice, and I learned so much from her, and I'm really grateful. But much like you, I started with a school therapist, and so I felt like I was in such good hands. Number one, the first thing I noticed when I went to her office was that she went to Howard. Mm. I said Howard. I mean Harvard. Mm. And so I was like, okay, like I'm 
I'm in, I'm in a real good space. Like, Ooh. this lady know how to handle my brain from Harvard. Like, we're going to be good, you know? And so I felt really, you know, good mm-hmm. about that. And she was really helpful. And she always was well aware of our differences. She never, you know, failed to tell me, you know, I'm a 47-year-old white woman. You are a 23-year-old black girl. If I ever don't get this, feel free to let me know. Mm-hmm. She was open with that from mm-hmm. the beginning. And after that, I never had the same experiences with other therapists. Mm-hmm. Even the one that that I bonded really well with, my most recent therapist, she was in her 70s. So she wasn't as, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like just like up with, you know, like with just like understanding. Yeah. And But she was still amazing and I was really appreciative. But I felt like at some point I needed more. Yeah. And I was really empowered to say that and to understand for myself that like, like, this is something that I need. and But I also had to be ready for mm-hmm. that. Be ready for a black therapist. Be ready mm-hmm. for that conversation. And the accountability of, like, someone who looks just like you, you know, wanting to help you get to a better place. Mm-hmm. And, and just knowing that the conversations were going to be different and the, ex- and the expectations would probably be different. And mm-hmm. so I had to be ready for that. But um, it's definitely one of the best decisions that I've ever made. And I'm really proud of the progress that I've made, even as I've been looking for a therapist. That I didn't just, you know, go off the rails because someone isn't talking to me once a week, mm-hmm. making sure that I'm doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. I think that's what therapy is supposed to do. It's supposed to make sure that you are, you know, following everything. And it's not just about it. I almost feel like you don't go to therapy for that one hour. You go to therapy for the for, for every other day of the week that you're out here. Exactly. You know, not, you know, not having that accountability yeah. and to center yourself and, and to get you to a place where, you know, you're, you're good whether you're on that couch or not. For sure. Like I find whenever I have to skip a, a week or something because of my, my schedules, Something always goes down. Yeah, it's And I'm rough. like, I just want to text her and be like, hey, can I meet with you right now? But she's a life, you know? And, right. and she's children and, and you know, I... But it's definitely, I find it hard when I go like a week without it. Yeah. Because then that's always the week that something happens. That something happens. And there was that one week, there was one week where I was there and I was like, I didn't really have much to say because nothing bad had happened. And then the next week I was like, where is she? Something. You know? <laughs> so, and it happens. You know what I mean? Usually for me, it's like after breakups... I yeah. think it's very important, even if the breakup was, you know, I dated someone for like three weeks and I needed and I and I wanted to sit and talk to someone yeah. because it was just because you dated someone for three it's weeks. It's still your not- time. It's still your time. It's still time that you're investing regardless, whether you're investing yeah. one hour or ten years. It's still yeah. time. It's still time that you're investing. So so I mean any, sure. any anything is older conversation. But I definitely am um familiar with that actually my ex had called me and so I called my therapist like, Hey, so I know we're not meeting today, but listen. <laughs> You need to tell me what I need to do because it was it was such a important important thing, and we had had so much conversation about it. And she was willing to have a conversation, so I, I think that it's it's important to have someone that you can have a good relationship with, so that way when those things do happen, whether you're in session or not, that you can just feel free to reach out within reason. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. No, for sure. Um, and my question is, what I'm interested. What is one thing that you would tell your younger self? That you learned along the way now through this mental health like journey? I would tell my younger self that all of the things that I experienced were, were not for nothing and that her life is really going to be great. I'm really adamant now about perspective shifts, and I think that I wouldn't— like I said, I wouldn't be so passionate about wellness if it were not for all of the trauma. I wouldn't be so adamant about body positivity if it weren't for all of the years that I spent hating how I looked. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be so, you know, focused on self-love if it weren't for all of the love that I placed in the wrong hands in, in past relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like there's so much beauty that came out of those things that I've that I've just been in such a, a place of just gratitude for, for all of my experiences. And so I would I would tell her that. Yeah, me too. I, I think a lot of times when I go through something, like, you, you regret it at yeah. first. You're like, 
why did I go through this? My grandmother always says, to this day, she says, it's for a reason. You yeah. learn something from it. Yeah. You know, and you, you learn from it. And, and, you know, now looking back at, like, my past relationships, I don't look at it as regret. Maybe the last one. <laughs> but even that, no, because that had me kind of change how I go into relationships. Absolutely. So it's not a regret. Your stand, listen, yeah. my standards these days, man, they're, listen, I've, I almost feel sorry for the men that be coming this way. Because <laughs> it ain't, listen, we ain't taking no shorts over here. You sound like my friend. You sound like my friend. Like, she, her standards are very high. Yeah. And... But me and her are very close, and I tell her about my past, and she's like, oh, God, I don't want to date if that's how it's like. And, I'm, you know, I tell her it's good to have high standards, but, like, also dating is important. Yeah. It's important to see what's out there. Yeah, Don't absolutely. just look at me. Like, because she's telling me that, you know, you, you've been through this so much. And I'm like, yeah, but at least I've been through it. Right. So now I know what not right. to do. Right, what, what not to do. And, I mean, fear is fear is inevitable. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, one of my <laughs> one of my best friends, he always tells me, like, love is a contact sport. Like, you, you, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> like, it is, you know, it is, you don't it, get hurt. It, is, it is what it is, you know. And I, I definitely feel like, you know, there are, there are levels to hurt. There are levels to, you know, to dating and experiences. And so for me now, I'm just in a place where if something doesn't feel right, I'm not doing it. For sure. And but I'm and even with all of the things that I've experienced, I don't know. I'm still not discouraged. So tell her if you listen and don't be discouraged, girl. Like it, it will be it will be OK. Be mm-hmm. open, but also be aware and, and take care like, of yourself. first. Yeah, absolutely. You come first. Take, take care of yourself first. You know, I, I did learn that I, I come first. My mental health comes first because you sometimes you put everything out there with a person you just don't take care of yourself you have to take care just like getting in the shower and scrubbing and making sure you're clean the mind too has to be clean has to be you know taken care of so absolutely i have this thing that i say me before you and i and i mean it with everything with if it doesn't and if it doesn't align with like my piece i'm not doing it for sure that that's that comes with age that comes with living yeah if you didn't go through that horrible those horrible experiences you wouldn't be transparent black girl (laughs) There would be no transparent black guy. No, there would not. Help, helping the black dudes out there who feel scared to be transparent. So um, that concludes our episode today. Let's spread love. Let's be transparent with one another. Let's be our best selves. Invest in self-care. But always hold yourself accountable. We want to make sure we are not only focusing on ourselves, but on others. And thank you to Yasmeen. Yes, thank you for having For joining me. us and throwing out some hot gems. Make sure you follow Saucy But Sweet Podcast on Instagram. Let me know any other topics or anything that should be discussed. I want to keep the conversation going, so DM me with your thoughts about the episode. See you next time on Saucy But Sweet with Allie McPherson.